This is part two of that sermon, The Fig Tree. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 24 and verse 32. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. I mentioned to you last week that I got a book in the mail called The Day and Hour When Jesus Will Return. In this book, Colin Deal predicts that Jesus Christ will come back for the rapture of the church on October the 28th, 1992. Now, I also told you that I do not believe in date setting. There's been a lot of it going on, but it's always been wrong, and I'm sure this will be proven wrong. But I want to remind you, friends, that these things that these men are stirred up about, they, they read the Bible, and they study the Bible, and they're good scholars. But they've come to some wrong conclusions about setting dates. It's unscriptural to set dates. And so they'll be wrong, no doubt. But I do want to tell you there's scriptural proof we're living in the last days, and Jesus is coming soon. Let me read that text once again. Matthew 24 and verse 32. Now, learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. Now, verse 33 of the same chapter says, So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. These are followed by verse 34, which says, Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. What is Jesus talking about? The parable of the fig tree was given to illustrate the point that we know the change of seasons is near when we see the leaves coming out in the spring of the year. We know summer's just around the corner. He said, in the same manner, you will know that my coming is near when you see the signs mentioned in chapter 24. In chapter 24 and verse 3, the disciples asked Jesus a question. Tell us, what will be the signs of your coming and the signs of the end of the world? Jesus gave them many signs in chapter 24 of Matthew, and then he gave the parable of the fig tree. Then in verse 33, he said, You remember this, when you see all these signs coming to pass, know that my coming and the end of the world is near. It is even at the doors. Then in verse 34, he said, This generation shall not pass away till all these things shall be fulfilled. What generation? The generation when these signs are literally proliferated to the point that all of them converge together in one generation and we'll know that it is the end of time. In this chapter, he gave many signs of the end time. Verse 5, false Christ. Verse 6, wars and rumors of wars. Verse 7, civil war, famine, and pestilences and earthquakes. Verse 9, persecution for Christ's sake. Verse 10, you'll be betrayed by one another. I believe the Lord is talking about the betrayal of the nation of Israel. And it's very possible that the present peace conference about the Middle East could be one of the worst and the greatest betrayals of all time, even equal to what took place in the Garden of Gethsemane. Israel was taken to Madrid, Spain against her will. She was forced to the peace table by the United States, by the common market nation, by the United Nations, and coerced to go to Madrid, Spain, that part of the world where in Europe you know that was the Holocaust. Spain was not too greatly involved, but nevertheless, it was in a part of Europe where the Holocaust took place. Furthermore, they were forced to go into the, the Hall of Commons where on the ceiling painted above their heads were the images of false gods. Just a few weeks ago, the first sessions of the Middle East Peace Conference was held in a hall where the, the images of false gods were painted on the ceilings above their head. 
Now, I believe that the betrayal of Israel could easily take place as a result of this peace conference. In Daniel chapter 9 and verse 27, we're told about a peace treaty that will be initiated for a seven-year period of time. In the middle of that period of time, called the middle of the week, after three and one-half years, that peace treaty will be broken, and the nation of Israel will be betrayed by the Antichrist and by those who cooperate with the Antichrist, and Israel will be invaded, and many of the Jews will flee into a special place that God has prepared for them to protect them from the wrath of the beast or the Antichrist. Neighbor, it's in the book. It's in the book of Ezekiel. It's in the book of Daniel. It's in the book of Revelation. And you'll find it again and again. All right, back to Matthew chapter 24, verse 11. He said, another one of those signs of the last days will be false prophets. In verse 12, the love of many people will wax cold. Verse 14, the gospel will be preached in all the world for a witness, and then shall the end come. Verse 15, the abomination of desolation, which is the desecration of the Jewish temple that will be rebuilt in the last days. Then in verse 16, he, talk about, he talks again about false Christ and false prophets showing signs and wonders. All of these things. But in verse 36, he admonished the people and said, But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. That includes Edgar Wisenot, who predicted that Jesus would come back in 1988. That includes Colin Deal, who is predicting that Jesus will come back on October the 28th, 1992. These date setters are wrong. It's unscriptural for them to do that. But, my friends, it does not destroy the fact that we're living in the last days. In fact, I believe the devil uses their conclusions to confuse people and destroy the credibility of the message of the imminent return of the Lord Jesus. And so we need to be careful about going along with the date setters because it works against the message of the rapture. In verse 42 of Matthew chapter 24, the same chapter Jesus said, Ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. In verse 44, in such an hour as you think not, the Lord cometh. In verse 50, in a day when he looketh not and is not aware of. And then in Matthew 25, verse 13, ye know neither the day nor the hour. In Matthew 24, verse 36, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels, but the Father. Many will not be ready. For here in chapter 24, and verse 39, the Bible warns us that it will be like it was in the days of Noah. The people went eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. And the Bible says in verse 39, they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. Why didn't they know? It wasn't because they hadn't been warned. Noah preached to them. Why is it that people today will not be ready? Because they will not believe the message just like the people did not believe Noah's message. Here's a preacher telling you Jesus is coming soon. I will not predict a day, not, not even a year, not even a decade. I believe we're getting close. Jesus said, when you see all these things come to pass, you know that this generation will not pass until the end comes, till all is fulfilled. And so I believe we're living close to the coming of the Lord. In Matthew 24 and verse 40 he said, two will be in the field. One will be taken, the other will be left. In verse 41, he said, two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. Matthew chapter 25, the first 13 verses, the parable of the ten virgins. Five wives go into the wedding. Five foolish virgins are left out. If Jesus comes back in our lifetime, some will be taken and some will be left. That's the way it will be whenever he appears. The new world order is one of the signs of the times. We're living in an age when our world is being reshaped. 
Bush and Gorbachev have talked about the New World Order. European common market nations talk about a New World Order. It's the New Age philosophy. It's the humanistic thought. It's the United Nations gospel. It's the, ap the apostate church and the ecumenical movement's message. Indeed, new superpowers are emerging in our lifetime. We can hardly believe it. The collapse of the former Soviet Union is an indication of how things can change so quickly. And Great Britain and the United States are suffering moral breakdown and economic collapse, and we don't know what will be the end result of all of that. New superpowers are emerging. Japan is an economic superpower, laying everyone else in the shade. The common market nations are a tremendous power militarily, politically, and economically. They control 65% of the world's wealth. Germany now is united. And mind, think what a, an awesome power that could be if they crank up their war machine. The Islamic nations with nuclear arms could soon once again be a formidable, formidable power in the world if they use those nuclear weapons against their enemies. Don't ever believe that it's not taking place. The breakup of the Soviet Union and the Commonwealth republics we know that they're doing something with those nuclear arms. Part of them are being sold out to people with money. We're talking about bankrupt nations. And so they've got nuclear weapons. And the Arabs have money. And so part of those weapons are going into a, a, a scenario that could easily foment another world war. America's nightmare is illustrated by a comment by Edward Shevardnadze, the former Soviet foreign minister. And it was in our newspaper just a few days ago since January 1. The West should feel terrorized because of the nuclear weapons that are in the hand of the new Commonwealth republics. Dick Cheney, our Secretary of Defense, said that nuclear weapons are still being produced and aimed at the United States. This has all happened in 1992. Those statements are quotes in our daily newspaper in 1992. Japan, the European common market nations, and Germany, if they wanted to, could hold the United States hostage. I believe that Japan is trying to do that with our economy. And I don't believe that we're being strong enough in that area. But nevertheless, the Latin American nations are defaulting on their loans that they got from the United States. We have forgiven Poland her debt. We have forgiven Egypt her debt into the billions of dollars. The Commonwealth nations will also default on what they owe the United States. The savings and loans bailout has cost the American public billions. And the Social Security system is in trouble. National health and the AIDS problem is going to again bankrupt our nation. The huge budget deficit is already strangling our economy. We can't fight our way out of it. Unemployment is skyrocketing. The bread lines are getting longer. And unemployment is great. The world is ready for a global leader who will claim to have a solution to lead us out of this mess, out of the fear of nuclear war, out of the fear of economic distress, the beast out of the sea. In Re Revelation chapter 13 and verse 1, the beast with seven heads and ten horns and ten crowns upon those horns. That's the Antichrist coming out of that part of the world, a revised Roman Empire that will rise up in that part of the world where so much trouble today has taken place and where there's been overthrow of governments and eventually the revised Roman Empire will emerge and the Antichrist will use those nations to come to power and will try to control the world's economy, the world's politics, the world's religion. 
I'm telling you, friends, we're facing a new world order that man is trying to initiate. But may I remind you, Jesus is going to end all of that and establish a new world order. The Bible calls it the millennium. It's going to be the reign of Christ when he comes back and destroys the Antichrist. Are you ready for the coming of the Lord? The fig tree warns us summer is near. The signs tell us Jesus is coming soon. God bless you is my prayer.